he, t he, he seemed to not really connect to most of everything that was happening in the training. However, um, in that particular process, it came out that he was a, really an expert or master about being able to be in the gap. And I saw that, and I walked across the room, and I said, like, you could just see him he's sitting in the gap, the flow, you know, this space, like, it's completely just there, totally present, completely awake and aware, right here, and completely unaffected by the other person's attempts to get him to laugh. And I just walked up to him and I said, hi. He said, hi. I said, it looks like you're familiar with this place. He goes, you ever ride a horse in a rodeo? <laughs> and I went, nope. <laughs> and, it, and he says, I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, there's this moment when, when you get on the horse in the, in the behind the gate, and they're about to let the wild calf out, the whatever, the small bull out. And it, it's just this moment where you got $8,000 resting on your ability to ride out of, you know, instantly out of this gate on a wild animal. You're trying to communicate with this wild animal to have it do what you want it to do. And you have a rope, you know, it's just like a piece of rope. It's just like you're swinging around and there's another wild animal running out, trying to get away from you as fast as it can. And you're supposed to take this rope on this wild bouncing like animal, throw it across this gap with wind vectors, you know, and this, this cow's going this way and you're going this way and the ground's uneven and people are shouting and all this stuff is happening, clowns running all over or whatever, you know. And you're supposed to put the rope, what, around its back feet or something? Like it's standing on its back feet and running. And you're supposed to like bounce it. I don't even know. It's like they bounce it off the ground underneath his back feet and hook it and drop the thing on the ground and leap off. I mean, it, like to be able to do that, it, you can't be there. Like it has to be just this concept of that happening somehow. It's like you're functioning according to a vision of what's possible. And then everything else is irrelevant. Circumstances become irrelevant. This is also some hints about commitment. Is that um, when you're when you're functioning at that level, and you're committed to fulfilling the vision of what's possible, to, regardless of what the circumstances actually are, um, you can't be there. The only thing that's there is the thing happening. It's like roping is happening. Cow on the ground, and me, you know, whipping off this little thing and like. You know, like he's got his feet tied up and done in, in 6.2 seconds, you know, it's like, that, you know, that's what's happening. How did you do that? Well, we can do a video replay. You know, you could spend 20 years training how to do that. But how I did it was, I did it. How that happened was happening. It happened. That happened. So it happened because um, of, of, of the commitment. He was committed to that happening. And he was resting in the gap. Like that's where he was. And so he wasn't even there. So this, this man was, he was looking at me from the place of sitting on a horse just before the gate opened. And it was an awesome thing to be in, in relationship with. Because he wasn't there. He was a totally different man than he was when we started the, the whole day. Like he was this tobacco-chewing, you know, hat-wearing, boot-stomping, you know, you know, cowboy dude who just like thought I was some city dude from Nana land, you know, who was talking out of my, you know, someplace and just really had no idea about what was real. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and uh, you know, from that perspective, he was right. You know, that was his reality. And so, anyway, that was a conflict of conversations in itself. So, like, my conversation needed to include his conversation, and where that happened was in the moment when I, when we knew, when I knew where he was, which is called the gap. And he was like, he and he knew where I was talking about. So at that point, we just like, we was like buddies. It was like we could both be at the same place. And he looked around. He knew, he knew none of these other like people would put themselves in a, in a situation like he did, where $8,000 was at stake in you know, a 10-second interval of, of an impossible thing to do, and, and he was a winner. I mean, he, he, he like counted on himself winning. He liked uh, the celebration afterwards. He said, you've got 8000 cash in your pocket, man. You can go to the bar and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> cowboy sat down with this guy and said, well, you got to find yourself a gap. You got to get in there and like, disappear. If you're going to rope this cow, you can't be there. It's only the vision of the cow on the ground with his feet in the air and the leather thongs around him. I'm sure, I'm sure that didn't happen. Could I have another beer? It was like, <laughs> so somehow it's possible to find that, though, to learn that technology without having it so I think that it's inherent in the human being's capacity to be that, and it's an I would I would propose it's an archetypal, hardwired capacity because you know the same thing would happen when you're out hunting with woolly mammoths. You know, one of those babies decides you're a footstep, and that's the end of you know, that's it. It's where we find these kind of flattened um, prehistoric people. We find that they really just get compressed and the juices get squeezed right out of them and they're mummified and they just were preserved because the man had sat on them. It's really an effective way. Really, there were these guys up in, in Alaska. Did you hear about this? Or Siberia someplace? No, they found them. They were flat. <laughs> really, they've been there for, I don't know, 15,000 years or something. And they had all their clothes on. You know, the, the skins, everything, their sandals, the tools, the little trinkets, their little bags, their food, like all this stuff, their whole, and it had just been flattened. And <laughs> first they thought it was a woolly mammoth that sat on them and just, just crushed their house, you know, right when they were sleeping one night. And then they figured out it was an ice floe, that sometimes the icebergs, they were actually on an ice floe kind of thing, and, or on the shore, and an iceberg when they ice flow happens, sometimes they just kind of go like this, but kind of these huge sheets of like three feet ice, and it just went like this, and then that was it. Gone. And then they were frozen. 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 Somebody say something? Yeah, can I say a question? In terms of this idea about when you're living from the 
vision of, uh, of what's possible from your vision and circumstances don't matter and nothing else matters and you're not there. Um, my ex like I notice that I keep getting in the way. Like over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm wondering like what do you do? What do you do? How do you, well, how do you get in the way? How, do you notice how you get in the way? Yeah, I make it about me. I take the vision and I make it about me, and I see that I, I don't feel like, like I'm, I'm not, I don't. That vision is, I'm not that vision. Like I make it about me, and I see where I fall short, and so then, then you know, I get, I think it becomes, I get in the way, and then it becomes, it becomes very small. So what so I hear you saying right? is that you, that you take on a new vision. What I hear you saying is you're actually taking on a new interpretation. You have one interpretation of reality for a while, and then you choose another interpretation of what's happening so that it includes you not being able to do it. Or, you understand what I'm saying yet? I suspect you have a few sentences that, you, that go on in your head that derail um, your your momentum in one direction and just put you on a toe on a different track. Just with one sentence you can take yourself from one from one set of possibilities to a totally different set of possibilities with one sentence. Do you know what I'm saying? No, not, not, not quite. I'm not sure that I'm I'm not sure you're Okay, right. so 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 well here I'm I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> you're going along right. and uh, you know things are working. And it's just cool. And all of a sudden, you go, huh, I'm cool. Look, I did this. And all of a sudden, function, it's like a you're operating from the function of me again. I'm, I'm doing this, or it's cool, or like I'm successful. These people should look at me. This is one I wanted to choose that one rather than I'm stupid or this. It's usually impossible. the other one in this particular thing. But so good. that so one what, too. I know that one too. So, what's your sentence? <clears throat> about enrollment, or is it about it's what? About so it's about parenting? Yeah, it's like about coming home and vision of coming home. Or so that's a training. So, so... Or the vision of making a contribution in that domain. So you can't make a contribution because you got hooked by your kid? Yeah, or because, I don't know, you know, because who, you know, because you think you're not a good mother, who I can't make the training. So what's the sentence? I'm not a good mother. It's not, that's not the sentence. So just this is a little aside, but one experiment that you might you could do when you have the sentence I'm a hypocrite <coughs> is um, usually when we experience a problem or conflict like that, we tend to go away from it. So we just shut down, we give up, we pull back, 
we go, we just start looking for evidence to support the hypocrite. Okay, I'm a hypocrite here, I'm a hypocrite there. I'm really a hypocrite. We're redefining who we are as being a hypocrite and just pulling all the evidence and just interpret everything to support that story. And we actually pull back from the moment, the actual moment when that the first first incident arose that we said I'm a hypocrite about. And it, a shift that you could do is just change your mind about that. Change your um, approach to that. I've been doing some experiments with me for that, and it's been really interesting. But what you do is when the thing comes up that you normally withdraw from, it's, it's almost like a withdraw from this thing naturally and it's instead of that change your mind and choose to go towards it so this thing happened and you, you, you normally shut down you just instead of going back just go right for it it's like instead of going sub-awareness you go hyper-awareness so you go towards it and go into it so that what what your the, the idea that you can use is that um, that the problem is the solution that what's occurring here is a gateway for you to uh, open into new capacity so that the problem which which we usually experience as being evidence to, to go away from or to, um, that we're failing is actually a gift for us to increase our capacity. So we earned the problem or we discovered the problem or created the problem as a way. It's like the means or the way for us to, to um, expand. It's like problems kind of occur when things are okay, like things were going fine, and then and then you have a problem, and so then it goes down. So if you go, things are okay, and you have a problem, one a different way to experience that is to go, yes, you know, thank you, okay, here we go. Like this is the gateway to it, um, the next level. This is the I discovered, you know, the, the next puzzle or the next uh, training actually training so here we are um, you know so so you have to really that your now has to be really small and you just go right into it go ahead I I, I know what you're talking about because that's what I, what I do often after the fact or it's a way I contextualize it like you know I'll go oh and I'll see like I'll see pieces of the training have come out of my own breakdown things or when there's been a demand that's been placed on me that's been pretty intense and you know and I'll see that like I'm getting worked. It's almost like I'm, the whole training is getting worked through me in a certain way, or parts of me. But moment to moment, like the mood of that is not one of enthusiasm. My mood and my attitude. It's like I let it, you know, I get, I get depressed around it, or I get, you know, there's there's an attitude that, you know, you know, it's like maybe I could do that in a more immediate sense. I can do that in a bigger, like what you're talking about. I can do in a big picture. Yeah, after a certain expansion. experience, after a month, of, you know, I'll step back, or and you know, I'll have some awareness, like, oh, that's what's just, that's what's occurred. That's part of it, at least. I mean, it's not but do you get how you, how big your now is? Yeah, my, that, my now is really big around that principle that you're talking about. So if you minimize your now and choose to move towards the problem instead of away from it, then it's it's like a almost like a, a video game where you put your quarter in and all this all these problems start happening and you paid twenty you paid fifty cents for these problems two quarters these things. 
problems are more expensive yeah. now. <laughs> but you put you put your fifty cents in, and all these problems start happening, and, and it's just like uh, you know, learn as much as you can, have as much fun as you can. It's like solve as many problems as you can. And that's really what life is. I mean, life is that. It's like solve as many problems as you can. And the better you're at, the bigger problems you get. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. Yeah, there's a gap. There's a gap between, like, for me, there's a gap because I know what you're saying, but there's a gap between that and experiencing or living. Yeah, but you could figure out. How many people know why? 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 Why it's a gap? Well, it's just it's a psychological thing. Like, I experience you as a person who loves to be a certain kind of melodrama of, of, you know. Kind of like a Shakespearean. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I found my life script. Like yeah. a couple, which is Juliet. I'm Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> like with the beloved, I can't have my beloved. Totally. And as soon as you do, he's dead. <laughs> Except he's not really dead, so you kill yourself. No, well, exactly. I know that. So. Yeah. So. What now? <laughs> Listen, go to the library, get a new script. <laughs> go on the web, you know. Go up, find some new Juliet script. Juliet in the 90s. Yeah. Really. No, really. Really, it's shift identity, you know, just drop in and try a new script. Just really consciously pull out a new script and just, like, lay out a new script. Like, Kurt Vonnegut did that for a while. Like, that's what woke me up. He says, um, be careful who you pretend to be because you are who you pretend to be. And it's I'm just going like it took maybe fifteen years yeah. for that one to really get into the level where it is right now. You are who you pretend to be. It's like no way man, I am who I am and sometimes I pretend to be somebody else, but no, I am who I am and he's saying, mm mm. See he's that whole thing is based on the thing that every moment you are making the decisions to support the same old story. So you're creating ongoingly, moment to moment who you are in every moment you could choose something radically different and entirely different. But it's just habit, momentum, unconsciousness, and, but it's still, we are totally committed right now to be who we were just before and to keep everything the same. Totally committed to that and we don't know it. Is the gap the place that, that nothing out of which we create? Will you hold that question for a second? Yeah. So what Kurt Vonnegut says is, be careful who you pretend to be, because you are who you pretend to be. And since you are who you pretend to be, why not choose to be somebody who's brave and kind and healthy and happy? Why not? You know, the, the, key, <laughs> the key that we have for each other is to be possibility makers for that. Because when I get sucked into having no possibility about choosing anything other than my melodrama in the moment, then um, there's no way out of that box. It's a closed box. There's no possibility outside of that universe. It's a sealed universe. And in fact, I'm committed to defending the universe and any virus that comes in that would suggest that there's another possibility besides my own little melodrama and victim game and poor me and whatever the thing is. Um, I kill it. I've got this filter so that that can't even come in. So the way that we can remind each other, the way the value that we have for each other is to be that those reminders, to be the possibility for the other so that we don't get sucked into the other person's melodrama. So when you're sucked into the melodrama and somebody comes up and there's a conflict of conversations, like, 
like, you're not into melodrama, and I am. Well, I'm going to do everything I can to get you into my melodrama, because then my melodrama is real and wins. That conversation wins. And we're good at that. We're masters at that. So, but the, the thing that you can do for the other person is to not buy it. Just go have fascinating, fascinating script. Let's see, that's page 42, isn't it? Let me look at that. And just, like, be able to be a little bit outside of their, you know, outside of their conversation so that you represent a different conversation and just say, you know, is this what you really want to create right now? Is this what you want to do? Is this the script you want to play out? Or would you like something, you know, something else? And a lot of times what we really say is, well, this is really all I want, because that is all we want, because that's all that can be wanted inside of that box. So what we represent for each other is that something else can be wanted, something else. And so if we know the other person's hidden purpose or if we know their destiny or if, you know, like, um, okay, push hands, you know, it's push hands time. Do you guys know push hands? Yeah. Huh? But, you know, it's like a, it's a Tai Chi game. It's like a wrestling match. Okay, time to wrestle. You know, if you, if you have a, a, some, you could develop a, just a real simple, um, like Bernard and I, we, we have a, we have a thing where one of us, one of us gets sucked into a, um, one of our melodramas, uh, what we do is we just have starts yelling at each other. We just start doing, we do the anger process of just like, we just, it's okay, we have permission to just start yelling at each other about what we're mad about. And we do this for about five minutes and then we start laughing because it's like so much fun to just be yelling at each other. And the old place, the old place where one of us was is just trashed, I mean, it's subsumed, just burned through the whatever. I mean, there's thousands of ways that you can come up with you know, dragging each other into different places that aren't where the impossibility of commitment exists. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, so why not, why not write yourself into the script of being brave and kind and healthy and happy? It's like, right, can I just do a cold Give her a copy of that. Can anybody have a copy of that quote? Do you have that in your notebook? I have a copy of that quote. We'll just borrow it. Huh? We'll just read it again. I'd like to have it. Why don't you read it out loud? Okay. Peter Block from Stewardship. The question that keeps coming up is how do you do it? This question becomes more interesting than the answer. This paragraph is the ultimate how to do it guide. Most how to do it books give you instructions in one narrow area. One narrow. You said narrow? Okay. One narrow area. What? What? No. It's just the accent. Yeah. Cooking home repair, communication, inventory control, customer service, leadership. The nonfiction bestseller list is filled with recipe cooks that have nothing to do with cooking. This paragraph accepts the challenge of teaching you how, regardless of your question. This paragraph is intended to put an end to the question, how. The question is a defense against the action. 
How many diets does it take to lose weight? How long does it take to stop smoking? The intensity of the question, how, is an expression of our having surrendered some part of ourselves, our own struggle with purpose and destiny, by constantly kneeling at the altar of expedience. If we took responsibility for our freedom, committed ourselves to service, and had faith that our security lay within ourselves, we could stop asking the question, how? We would see that we already have the answer. In every, in every case, the answer to the question, how, is yes. It places the location of the solution in the right place, with the questioner. Saying yes to questions for freedom, service, and adventure opens up the possibility of beginning our own experiment. It only takes one diet to lose weight. It only takes one instant to stop smoking. Only one gesture to remove the crown from our own head. We know how. We only have to choose it and have the courage to live with the consequences. The only conflict that I have with this um, paragraph is the idea about security because in my experience there is no such thing as security security is like Helen Keller has that quote about security we used to read it in the events sometimes I forget what it is right now Helen security is an illusion it's a fabrication it's a fantasy it doesn't exist in reality and so it's possible, like this is what Kirsten did this weekend, is she walked into the place where, yes, security it doesn't exist, and that's cool. It's like, like that's irrelevant. So what? Because what exists is just what's happening right now. This is what's going on. We, we talked before, I think, at the practicum, the idea about um, trying to play it safe trying to, you know, basing any kind of consideration on the idea whether it's safe or not. We're trying to set it up for ourselves so that it's safe. And that just the idea that that's a game that we can't win. It's a game that, can't, that we can't win. It's impossible to win. Same, it's the same as the game of, of trying to make things comfortable. Having that be a consideration. You can't win that game. You can't win the game of, why can't you win the game of being safe? Yeah, but the real thing is we're going to die. Yeah, if we're going to die. It is just going to die, so you can't win. You can like, build that for yourself, but it's still like your, your concept of, oh, I'm safe, but you don't see actually like the world, what is really there. It's just this And Not anyway. Not anyway. It's just I am going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, there is no chance of me not dying. 
Zero. <laughs> I haven't seen it. They're all dead. <laughs> what did you say? Some of them starved to death. Yeah. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Um, it's about being in that place of nothing, and my question is, what function does um, technology has in, in that domain, or is there, like, which role does technology play in, in that, like, relating to that place of nothing or creating? The, we use the word technology simply to mean a series of understandings or, a, or a, a way, a series of attitudes or viewpoints that work together in a way to create a, a possibility or a stability or a capacity. So, in, um, so it's everything, it has everything to do with it. The technology has everything to do with it. And it has nothing to do with it because every day, oftentimes, we will find ourselves in nothing but we don't we, we don't allow ourselves to acknowledge that. So actually between each moment there is nothing. Between each moment there's a gap of possibility where anything could occur and we smear the moments together. We have this it's kind of like when we watch a, a movie on a movie projected screen, there are thirty two frames or thirty six frames per second shooting up onto the screen, but we smear them together into into smooth action. So does that, I don't know if that occurs. I don't think that occurs in our eyes as a technical thing. I think it occurs in our brain. And I think that we've learned to do that. And when you show a moving picture to somebody who's lived in the, um, Aruba, or where, some place where they didn't have movie pictures, you know, you show them.